Welcome back to the Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the Ryan McQuarrie. I'm here with my dad. Uh, we're back again, talking. Uh, we want to talk about the Falcons and the Buccan and the Buccaneers' new uniform releases. Also, want to talk about the Texans. They just made a big trade. I want to talk about the NFL draft, which will be virtual this year. And then I want to talk about the Falcons a little bit about the Falcons draft and free agency plans um, coming up because they um, recently they're going to have more cap soon. And they had a FaceTime call with a prospect that was announced recently this week. Uh, let's start off with the Falcons and the Buccaneers uniforms. Let's start off with the Falcons. So the Falcons got seven new uniform combinations. And it's a more modern uh, look. So we have like these all white unis. And we have an all black uniform. And we have this like red gradient. It like fades into black. Then we have like white on red. Then we have um, the white on black, the white tops with black bottoms, and then we have our old, um, the alternate uniform is just the, the the old black unis with like the gray or white bottoms, and the black helmet. Um, I I at first didn't love the uniforms. I still don't like the big numbers. I think I don't understand the fascination with the huge numbers because Oregon has huge numbers on their uniforms, and I I can't stand it. And also, the ATL, I, above the numbers, I like. It's just, it crowds the front of the jersey. And I just, I, I wish we had a little bit more space, but I still like the uniforms. Yeah, I, I think uh, what happened, it, it everything kind of transpired pretty quickly. Uh, you know, the day before the uniforms were released, which they were actually released the week before they were supposed to be released, uh the day before they were actually released, uh, uh, some leaked uh, video came out uh, of what was supposed to be the new uniforms. And I was convinced uh, that that was kind of a, uh, a fake kind of a thing uh, to maybe lead us in the wrong direction, that they were going a totally different direction than, than what those leaked photos were. Uh, but it turns out to be... Uh, they went ahead and released them the next day because the leaked uh, photos were actually the uniforms. Yeah. So, so I guess in a sense, when I when I first saw the leaked photos, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed with them. Um, I thought they were, you know, kind of mentioned. I, I think actually those photos, the the numbers look like they were bigger than they oh, actually yeah. were. I, th- I think those were a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, uh, you know, I was like, eh, you know. And, and me personally, I was kind of hoping they go back to the red helmet. So, so here we, you know, the black helmet and all that. But, but I'll be honest with you, um, it, you know, at first when they came out, um, you know, I kind of like all the different combinations and all. Um, even though I, I, I would prefer the red helmet, I do like the helmets. Uh, I like the the chrome face mask. It makes them look a little imposing, a little intimidating. Um, and, and, and the more I've seen them, uh, I, you know, the more I've kind of gotten comfortable with them. I, I, I think the, the, the Falcons thinking on this is they're, they're not targeting the traditional, the folks in my age group, you know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 about to turn 51. I don't think that, uh, age group, uh, the 40 to 60 year older fan group is what they're trying to reach. Um, uh, I, I think they're trying to reach the younger crowd. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think overall, yeah, you know, time, time, time will kind of allow people to get used to these. Uh, they're a little cleaner. I, I, I do like the fact that they're a little cleaner, meaning there's just not as much uh, going on. You know, there was a lot of like a lot of going on with the shoulders on the old uniforms. These right. are a little more cleaner, uh, and uh, so so I, I think they're going to do. I think what will happen is if when the NFL allows two different helmets, which I think that's going to happen. Uh, and they add the red helmets, which they've indicated they will. Uh, I think that's going to get them even more uh, interesting, and and I think people will really kind of uh, be interested in that aspect as well. So I, I think overall, you know, it, it, I think people are going to accept them. I think the only people that are are giving a lot of uh, pushback on them right now are probably the more traditional crowd out there that was, you know, looking for something a little more traditional. Yeah, I totally agree. I am. Re- I would love to see a red helmet. I think some of these uniforms would look great with a red helmet. Like I think the red gradient unis would look great with the red yes. unis. I yeah. also think I don't love the white tops with the red bottoms with the black helmet, but I think it would look awesome with a red helmet red. instead. Yes. 
Uh, I I like the uniforms. I I didn't like the the uh, the leaks, the pictures. I was a little worried because mm-hmm. no, the numbers were massive. Extremely they they big. were bigger than they, than they yes. actually are. Um, but I mean, I think it's a, all the uniforms look really clean. I think they look even better on the players. Like in the announcement videos, I think the uniforms look good. Right. They do kind of have like an XFL kind of look. Yeah. But right. I've seen much worse uniforms. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I think it'll look really good on the field, and I'm really excited to see them. A lot of people do not like the red gradient. I think I actually kind of like them. Yeah, yeah, and that, and, but that, and that's going to be the one that they. It's, it's kind of their version of color rush uniform. So yeah. you're not going to see the red gradient that much. Um, yeah, you won't see that that as much. I'll just say this: if the Falcons win 12 games this year. No one's gonna care. Uh, nobody's going to care about the uniforms. So anyway, they, you know, the, the, winning winning is the most important thing. So. Right. Yeah. I, I really like the numbers. I think the number font is really cool. It's like got a point at the top. Right. It's, um. And you should be able to, if you're at Mercedes Benz Stadium and you've got the highest seat in the house, you should be able to see the numbers pretty easy. Oh yeah, yeah. You'll be able to see the numbers. You can't see the players. You can see the numbers. They're still better than Seattle's. I just think Seattle's. You know, when they first came out, they were kind of crazy looking. They still kind of look crazy looking to me. Oh, the regular uh, unis. Yes, yeah. Oh, the regular navy blue. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess uh, the the ones with the uh, lime green in there and oh, all yeah, of that. Oh, I love it, those. It, oh, you <laughs> see, there you I go. I love them. That's what they're shooting for. They're shooting for the younger crowd that, that likes that kind of thing. So the Falcon. It's not like the Falcons are the only ones out there that have right. some controversial uniforms. There's other teams out there that that, that do so. I think the main issue people have is that it does kind of look like an XFL team or sure. an arena league uniform. Right. It's not classy enough for right. a lot of people. I like them. I think they look clean. Yeah. Well, uh, Houston had uh, the, 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 uh, the Roughnecks XFL yeah. team this year. To me, they, they had some of the best-looking uniforms in all of football, I thought. They, oh, those yeah. were awesome uniforms. So, anyway. It, it like I said, if they win some, if they win some games this year, go to the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs. Uh, nobody's going to be talking about the uniforms. So. Yeah, I did after after they were announced. I did see a few concepts on um, online, just looking at, mm-hmm. at pictures, and there were a few that I really liked. Like there's this like this picture. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, where it's just a black. It's just black, and it's got like the red right. line on the on the on the side of the shoulders. It's a little like more classic. Them. It's a little more classic. I would have liked that too. I, yeah. I still think they look good. Um, sure. And I, the announcement video, in my opinion, was terrible. Mm-hmm. The announcement video where they just like showed them off. There was so much strobe lights. I, I, yes. I had a seizure. I was like, yeah. "Can we please see the uniform?" You, you never. Uh, you, you couldn't really get a good look at them because of the flashing lighting and everything. And somebody yeah. said that they looked like they were in a. In a uh, in a bunker somewhere or something, uh, I'm you like, know. Hey, can we see them? <laughs> like their new uniforms. Can we see them, please? I want to see them. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it was kind of an admission. I, I, you know, the the leaked photos were uh, obviously. I don't think that was planned, uh, right. and they just kind of moved yeah. the the introduction of them up a week to the day after the leaks came out. And um, hey, you know, there you go. It yeah. happens. I heard that they, I heard before that they might have like a gold in there, like a gold right, color, kind of right. like how the Falcons have introduced gold and Atlanta United has gold in their color. Correct, correct. But they they ended up not going that route. Yep. But I think they look good. A lot of people were just everyone, literally everyone, every fan of every fan base mm-hmm. is just crapping on our uniforms. Yep. I don't think they're that bad. Right. I mean, I think they could be a little bit better, but. I still think they're, yeah. they're they're decent. Well, I think you learn that with Twitter, uh, you're a lot of people like to just get on Twitter to complain, and yeah. so you're going to see more negativity uh, on Twitter than you than you do anywhere else. So, yeah, it's part of it. Yeah. All right. So the Buccaneers also got new uniforms, and they mm-hmm. looked they looked good. They they went from having um, they went back to a, a uniform that resembles the one they wore when they went to the Super Bowl. They, right. they got rid of the alarm clock numbers. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. I think they look really good. I don't like the pewter gray. It just kind of makes the players look like walking turds. Yeah. But, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> but I don't love that. I don't ha- I don't hate it. It's just a weird look. Right. I don't really lo- love brown. So 
Yeah. Like, as a uniform. But the other two look great. The white and the red, they look fantastic. Right, in right. My opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, they pretty much left the helmet alone, except for uh, using a uh, adding black face face mask. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Falcons kind of did what the Buccaneers did with their logo on their helmet. They, they increased the size of it, which the Buccaneers did. Um, uh, with these uni- previous uniforms that they had, so but yeah, yeah, it's a more cla- you know more uh, classy look. I think a lot of people traditionalists uh, would have loved to see them go back to kind of modernize the original creamsicle uh, orange uh, uniforms that they had when they yeah. first came into the league. Uh, right. A lot of people still like that that look, the Buccaneer head on the on the uh, on the helmet. Uh, you know, so they could have gone with something like that, kind of modernize that classic look, but. You know they're they're going back to uh, when they were the most dominant and when they went and won the Super Bowl with John Gruden as the coach. That's the kind of look they're going back to. So I guess you can't uh, can't fault them for that. So what are the limitations on how many uniform combinations you can have? Because the Buccaneers only have three, right? But the Falcons have seven. So I don't yes. know. I didn't know if you had any clue because I have no idea. Yeah, I, I I don't know what the limitations are. I know it's just you know it's the one helmet rule, of course. Uh, and but I do know that uh, every team in the NFL must submit to the league by a certain date. I think it's during the summer. What uniform they're going to wear uh, for each game of the season? So they oh. have to. Yeah, they have to turn that in by a certain deadline, and uh, so they have to kind of predetermine which which ones they're going to wear. So uh, I, I don't. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do. So it's not like a week to week thing. Oh, oh, I think we'll pull out the all black if you're the Falcons uh, at home, and you know, now they have to kind of decide ahead of time. Uh, so anyway, but I heard I, with back to the Falcons. I heard the players were giving a lot of input into these uh, uniforms. So anyway, uh, you yeah. know, you got to the guys that got to go out there in the battle wearing these things. Uh, we're given a lot of. A lot of you know input right. into it, and hey, if if they like them, uh, why why shouldn't the fans like them? So yeah, uh, are the Rams getting new uniforms? They are getting uniforms. I think they're coming out. I know the Chargers. They're, I think they're are, coming out this month, aren't they? Yeah, like, Rams, like Chargers, and, yeah, and Browns are coming out. I think the Browns are coming out on this coming week uh, with theirs, which everybody uh, the word is they're going back to their traditional Cleveland Brown look. Yeah, the traditional does look better. Yes, it does. Yeah, it looks better. Right, Rams are uh, and and Chargers are both coming out. I think maybe the Chargers are coming out before the Rams. Uh, I guess the Rams are hoping that their uh, uniforms get some better uh, feedback from their fans than the logos did. So they've caught a lot of grief over the the new logos, including former great Eric Dickerson. So anyway, the logo. Is I don't think it's like as terrible as people made it out to be. It's definitely not great. I mean, there's some right. people on Twitter that did a better job making a new logo for the Rams, right? Than right. the actual uh, the team that the Rams hired to make their their logo. Yeah. And so, like, uh, if you're getting outdone by graphic designers at home that have like a five minute break, yes. Yes. then there's an issue. Well, and, and I think that I, I, maybe with the Rams, I think maybe the greatest uh, anticipation is if they're going to do anything with the helmet. Uh, right. But I, I think the, the that traditional the ram horns on the helmet needs keep to stay. It. Yeah, They've been there forever. It. Keep it. They better not change that. that. I think they should go just like maybe a modernized version of their old throwbacks. Just like maybe just clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Make it look because like they have a uniform now that resembles their old uniform. That's correct. It looks great. Yeah. Just make that your your Absolutely. make that your home uni. Absolutely. Make that your home uniform. And then get a white version of that. Correct. And so just make that your away uniform. It looks great. I yep. love that uniform. It's yep. one of my favorite in the entire league. It's yep. awesome. Yeah, it's it's a good look, and it always has been. You know, uh, when they moved to St. Louis, you know, they, they wore that uniform at first until they, you know, it c- completely changed it. You know, went with a navy color and a gold, true gold, not the yellowish color uh, as the secondary color and which I thought thought they kind of looked good. I, th- I think you know they just were like, hey, you know we're the St. Louis Rams now, and not the L.A. Rams, so they wanted to kind of right. change their color scheme. But now they're phasing back to the old, uh, you know, the original colors and that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I like that traditional look. I think it looks great. It looks it looks amazing. Yeah, I really like the uniform. I'd love to see the Chargers go back to like their 
um, the powder blue. And I think uni- that's probably what they're going to do. I love that uniform. Yeah. It looks yeah. really nice. Yeah, they the, the, when they released the logo, uh, you know, they were, they were going with this. They had navy blue in there with the powder blue and the gold. Uh, they've kind of, based on their new logo, they're, they've removed the navy. So I think they're just going back to the original powder yeah. blue and going, which I think is awesome looking. You know, that that's... That's traditional with the San Diego Chargers when they came into the league. That was their color scheme. So, I think they're kind of going back to tradition. Yeah. yeah yep. I'm really excited to see all these new uniforms. I love uniforms. I'm a huge fan of, like, like I'm a huge uniform guy. Like, if my, if, like, as an athlete, if, you, if what I'm wearing doesn't look good, right? then I, I just, like, I yep. hate it. I, I just want to, you, you want to look good right? in what you're wearing if you're an athlete. It's a big marketing thing with teams. I mean, when they come up with new uniforms, not only is it interesting for the fans and exciting for the fans, but it's a big marketing opportunity. They're merchandising. They get a chance to really yeah, increase their mar- merchandising sales on all right. their apparel, uh, all, you know, from the previous year. You know, because after a while, people, you know, it's the same look, that kind of thing. People, right, you, yeah. People don't buy as much stuff. But when you come out with a new, new uniform set, People are going to run out there. They're going to order online. They're going to go to the stores and buy uh, the new stuff. And uh, so you'll see a big spike in, in revenue yeah. from selling the new apparel. Yeah. Well, when your uniform looks good, then you like feel good wearing it, and it yeah. gives you like this confidence boost. And so I, I think uniforms, um, like it's it's a huge thing. So right. I, like you need to make the uniform look good. Yeah. Got to win some games to to make them look even better. Yes. <laughs> I so the Texans made a trade this week. Oh, did they? Yes. So wow, did Bill O'Brien make another trade? Yes, and it's also awful. <laughs> it, it was a, another awful trade. Yes. <laughs> so Bill O'Brien is their GM and their head coach, which is never a good idea. Never a good idea. You should never make your head coach a GM no. in any sport. No. It's just it rarely works out. That's correct. And so. Um, Early on in free agency, they traded DeAndre Hopkins uh, to the Cardinals for David Johnson, who hasn't been healthy since 2016, Mm -hmm. and a a second-round pick. Mm -hmm. And so now they traded a second-round pick to the Rams for Brandon Cooks and a fourth-round pick. There you go. There you go. And so uh, Cooks is not a bad player. This is not... It's not a bad trade because Cooks is not a bad player. He's right. good. My issue with this is that Cooks is he's dealt with he's had like five concussions in the last like seven mm-hmm. years. He's he's got a huge concussion issue. He was hurt a lot last season, missed a lot of games, and they got a fourth round pick. Um, and uh, the fourth round pick, I mean, it's okay, but you're giving up a second round pick in a draft that is deep. There is a ton of talent in this draft, Absolutely. and there's and it's a deep receiver class. If you want a receiver, just draft a receiver. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. You don't need to give up a second round pick for a receiver that's got concussion issues and is like on the last leg of his career. Right. Like if he gets another concussion, he might he's probably going to retire. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand why you're trading a second round pick. Yeah. It's, Bill it's, O'Brien's an idiot. I don't. I just don't understand what he's doing. Right. I, you know, uh, I don't know if he was reaching for this uh, deal to uh, after the Hopkins fiasco of a trade. Um, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, Brandon Cooks is not the the guy that we saw, you know, when he was with New Orleans and Ewing. Now, you know, he's moved around a lot. I mean, for a talented receiver, he's played and he's worn a bunch of different uniforms for for, for different teams. Uh, I I remember when he first came into the league with New Orleans, um, he looked like uh, you know an All Pro kind of kind of a receiver. Of course, when you got in there, you were in that system with Sean Payton's system, and you got Drew Brees throwing it to you. You you can you can be pretty successful. So yeah, anyway. yeah, he's not bad. Like he's been very good his entire career. Everywhere he's gone, he's been good. So right. it's not like he's been bad. Like right. he's been a very productive receiver his entire career. Um, this trade just doesn't make sense, and I don't really understand what the Texans are doing. They didn't have a first-round pick, and now I don't think they have a second-round pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I don't, I just don't understand the moves they're making. Like Cooks and Johnson, I mean they're talented when healthy, but right. you got to be healthy. And Correct. I don't trust those guys to be healthy. Yeah, I really don't trust David Johnson. Right, um, he hasn't been healthy in years. Cooks, um, he's been he's been a little bit healthy. He's been healthier than Johnson, and he's been really productive when he's on the field. The concussion issues just 
concussions are huge. Mm-hmm. And so when you get too many, um, guys are really, they are not hesitating to retire when they have concussions. Um, so they they will hang, they'll hang the cleats up early. Mm-hmm. Um, they have no problem doing that. And so I'm afraid another concussion might be the end of Cook's career. And you just gave up a second round pick for him in a draft where there is so much talent. In, in, in the first two rounds. Correct. Especially at receiver if you want to go that route. Absolutely. And so this is, it just doesn't make sense to me why you would do this. No, no. You know, it's it's uh given a you know, you would save a lot of money if you if you picked a receiver in the later round that was uh, you know, uh had some had some ability and, and uh so yeah, it it's it's a questionable call. Bill O'Brien's had an interesting off season. Um, you know, I he I, I don't know what the situation is there in Houston, but if uh, things don't work out well for him this year, he should be on the hot seat if these deals don't work out because they certainly were head scratchers. Well, this is going to be this is a rough, it's going to be a rough season for them because a lot of teams improved in the NFL. A lot of teams, like it feels like there's not going to be that many terrible teams. Mm-hmm. Like the Browns improved, they're going to improve in the draft. The Browns are probably going to be a playoff team, especially if they select a, a tackle. At ten, which many people, me included, expect them to do, they're going to be a playoff quality team. Right. Uh, the Colts got better. Um, the Jaguars, they're in a rough spot. Uh, the Titans are loaded now. Mm-hmm. Like they have Tannehill, they have Derrick Henry, they got a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Patriots are falling off. The Ravens got better. They they look like they have the best roster in the entire league. The Chiefs are still great. They have Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. and they got a powerful offense. And so many teams just got better. The Steelers are going to be good. They, they're going to have Big Ben this year. And everyone just got better. And the Texans have gotten worse. Right. And so I just don't expect them. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. Right. right. And so if you don't make the playoffs, Bill O'Brien's getting fired. Yeah. Yeah, and I just—it's going to be very difficult for them to make the playoffs because their defense was not great last year. They mm-hmm. do have Deshaun Watson, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but the receiving core um, is—it's oh—it's solid, mm-hmm. uh, but they really hurt what they can do in the future. Like their future is just like—it looks bleak now right. in right. Houston, right? And so it's going to be a really rough season for them. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. Like the Colts are good, like I mentioned. Um, who's the other team in their in their division? Well, you got the Colts, you got the Texans, you got the uh, Jaguars, and, and uh, the Titans. Titans, yeah. yeah. So like yeah. you're you're Tennessee's fighting, loaded. yeah. You're fighting against the Titans and the right. Colts, right? Who, you know, if if Tannehill continues to do what he did this past year, if that was not a a, a fluky uh, situation with Tannehill, uh, they're they're loaded up. I think they they might be ready to make that next step yeah. in Tennessee. So. So I don't, I don't know. I just yeah. don't understand what what they're doing and what yeah. Bill O'Brien's doing. The, I think the Bill O'Brien era is close to being done. Right, right. Just, t- just too much tinkering. You know, he could have just uh, stood pat uh, and with what he had, uh, go through the draft. Uh, you know, make some make some good decisions there, and uh, they, you know, would have been probably a shoe in to get back in the playoffs again. But you know, sometimes you just need to leave stuff alone. Yeah, and he last year he did some some pretty good things. Like he got Laramie Tunzel, he got Kenny Stills, who's an underrated receiver. Right, and they lost Clowney and all of it. Uh, but they still got picks. They still got a a franchise left tackle. But now you go to this offseason, and he's making mm-hmm. just head like head these moves that just make me like, what are you doing? Right. I just really I'm questioning his thought process right. going from last year to this year, where I'm like. Why? What do? You, what? Like, what do these moves accomplish? Mm-hmm. Right. They don't really help you win now, and they just crush your future. So I just yeah. these moves don't make sense. Absolutely. But yeah. So that's enough Texas slander for this pod. <laughs> uh, let's go on. Move on to the virtual NFL draft. So the NFL draft this year is going to be held um, on April twenty third, starting on April twenty third. It's going to be held at the original time, but it's going to be virtual. So every team's personnel will be meeting in their own homes with their own IT support. And I guess they're going to be on, like, Zoom or Skype. Mm -hmm. This just just shouts disaster to me. (laughs) Like, something's going to go wrong. I can just feel it. Like, something's going to go wrong. And a lot of teams are afraid that, like, another team's going to hack their Zoom call. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, interesting. 
So. This is crazy. Yeah. I can't believe they're doing it. Yeah. I'm glad. It's going to be fun watching a team screw up. Because, like, they got to email their pick-in. Right. Or call their... I don't know what they're doing. It's insane. Right. I can't believe they're doing this. Right. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, I think the happiest uh, person is Roger Goodell because he's not going to get booed by yeah. a big group of fans, uh, it, you know, as he has in the past. So, he, he he's going to get a little reprieve from that this year. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it is going to be interesting. I, you know, the... The, the most valuable player for for uh, the draft might be the team with the best IT support staff. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, that 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 might be the most important person in the room is is whoever's head of the IT. Uh, but yeah, it is it is strange. But I, you know, I I just think um, I think the uh, sports fans out there, especially fans of the NFL, are just hungry right now for something. Uh, you know, you know, watching. You know the football life marathons on uh, NFL Network all weekend. I've been doing that this weekend. I've seen all of them. I'm starting to see this from the second time around, and I, I just think everybody's just hungry for a little something, even if it's not action on the field. Uh, just something to give us something to look forward to next year. Right. So, I honestly think basketball might be coming back sooner than people mm-hmm. expect, especially if they can get testing. Yes. Or getting these tests where you can get them done in a few minutes. Correct. I think things will start to come back sooner than you would expect. Yep. I don't think life is going to go back to normal soon. No. But I think sports will start to come back maybe yep. in like start of the summer or middle of the summer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging. I, I think maybe the most challenging might be uh, uh, of trying to figure it out is Major League Baseball. Uh, they're, they're trying to – it seems like everything they're throwing at the wall – from a concept standpoint, is not totally sticking. You know, they're, they've they had an idea at first about maybe having everybody play in Arizona in the minor league parks there. But the problem there is not all, you know, uh, you know, not all of the uh, – t- the teams that have spring training are not all a- – American Le- not all American League teams are in them, Arizona and not, not, you know, all the National League teams are in Florida – so that that makes it difficult if they want to do games in Florida and Arizona at the spring training site. So there's different challenges there, right? With baseball, but I I think I think all of the leagues out there are just you know trying to come up with something uh, so that they can be uh, ready to move forward as soon as these uh, numbers nationwide with the virus uh, is improving. They're starting to improve. I mean, the numbers right. are, are starting to get better here in the last few days. Uh, you know, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe sometime in May we'll start to see some hints of maybe uh, getting back on the on the field and even without fans to give us fans something to look forward to. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to see how the virtual NFL draft works. I'm really concerned that so- that something's going to go wrong. A lot of teams are afraid to have their IT guys with them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to like they don't want to have them in their homes to spread the virus, right? And so, which is understandable. So I I don't know how they're gonna do it. It's gonna be interesting. Well, and, and you know I heard them talk about there's you know with it, with this setup the way it's uh, they're proposing it, the virtual situation, you know is it going to limit uh, or cut down on the number of trades that you see on draft day? Because usually. Yeah. Uh, but I think I heard uh, Thomas Dimitrov, the general manager for the Falcons, the other day comment on that. And, you know, he said that this generation of general managers overall in the in the league, uh, they're all pretty aggressive. And he says even with this uh, situation, it's not going to cut back on their, you know, willingness to make some deals on, on draft day. Yeah, so. I, I agree. Yeah, so I, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be fun. It will be interesting. But, hey, it'll be a taste of something new for sports fans out there instead of watching old reruns. So. Yeah. Well, yep. so they've invited like 58 guys to participate in it. So 58 players right. are being invited. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I don't know how they're going to incorporate mm. that. I don't know how they're participating. Right. Because like, you can't go somewhere and participate in the draft because it's online. It's virtual. So I don't know what they're going to do. Sure. But 58 players have been invited. It'll be interesting to see how it all works out and how how just everything goes down. Absolutely. All right, so the Falcons, they have, starting June 2nd, they have an extra $12 million in cap space uh, from the from the from from them cutting Desmond Trufant. Mm-hmm. So they have $12 million. Mm-hmm. To, that's exclu- that doesn't include the money they need to spend on rookies. Correct. So they have $12 million to spend, which they can use for, like, 
a corner, a safety, maybe a linebacker out there. Like, Logan Ryan is still available from the Titans. I, he's mm-hmm. a little expensive. I don't know if we'll be able to get him. Right. Because he's one of the higher-end free agents right now. But we still have $12 million to spend. So I, I expect a deal to be made. Mm-hmm. Like, a deal, maybe one or two more deals. Maybe throw up our secondary. Because our secondary needs a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And we need to prepare for Javon Kinlaw to fall to 16. Because I, th- I think that is a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. Seeing that a little bit more in uh, the latest mock drafts, I've been seeing Kinlaw to the Falcons more than I saw, saw before. So I think other people were thinking the same thing. Obviously, if he falls in their lap at 16, it'll be hard for them to turn that down if they're not going to move up. I think it really all, uh, it, it it's all going to be determined, um, in my opinion, by what like the Giants do. If they go Jedrick Wills, then um, over or maybe if they go like Jedrick Wills or Mekai Beckton or Tristan Wirfs over, if they basically if they just go tackle over Isaiah Simmons, mm-hmm. then that increases the odds that Kendall will fall. Because mm-hmm. if uh, Simmons falls to the Panthers, they're taking him, mm-hmm. and then Derek Brown will most likely go to like the Jaguars, mm-hmm. and then that's the prime. Uh, we'll be in prime position to select Kinlaw at 16. Right, um, right. As long as a tackle is available for Tampa Bay at 14. Because um, if there's no tackle worth taking at 14 in the Buccaneers opinion, they're going to take Kinlaw. Right. Um, but hopefully, they have a tackle like Andrew Thomas or worse mm-hmm. available there. Maybe Wills. Because I've seen Wills mock to them a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's realistic. Like There is a really good chance that we get Kinlaw. Mm-hmm. Which I think everybody like you gotta run that pick please, in if he's available like yeah. i don't care who else is on the board pick, right. take him yep. you gotta take him exactly exactly yeah I've, I've seen his name and of course i've seen cj henderson uh, a little bit more lately from florida uh going to the falcons so uh, it'll be interesting but yeah you're right if, if ken law you know falls into their lap um yeah that would be hard to hard to walk away from that uh pick absolutely I honestly don't think he will, so I'm pretty sure he'll be mm-hmm. gone. Uh, he'll probably be gone by 14. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are probably going to take him. I think there's going to be a, a huge run on tackles to mm-hmm. start the draft, so I don't know if we're going to get Ken Law. I would love to have Ken Law. He's a beast with a lot of potential. Um, we'll have to see on that. We also had a FaceTime call with Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray this week, who uh, this I assume this is for the second-round pick. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think there's any chance Kenneth Murray lasts until our pick in the second round. I don't think so. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not in love with Kenneth Murray. Um, I don't. I, I can see him going late first round. I mm-hmm. think he's probably worth like an early second round pick. Right. Um, he's good. He's just a little bit raw. He needs some coaching. He he needs a lot of coaching because mm-hmm. he's just raw. Doesn't have the instincts. Um, so he, he's got some growing to do. Like he's he's nowhere near as good. At, as Patrick Queen mm-hmm. from LSU, in my and, that, and those two have been compared a lot. I've seen comparisons of those two um, uh, on 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 television. You know, um, I think I think the the consensus is Queen's a little more instinctual. Yeah, Queen uh, has better instincts. Yeah. He's a better tackler. Yeah, he's better against the run. But he's pretty much better at everything. Right. Than Kenneth Murray, I, I think I would argue that Kenneth Murray has more speed. Mm-hmm. I think Kenneth Murray is faster. He's also very physical. Like he mm-hmm. he is physical at the oh, point yeah. of attack on tack like with tackling. He's hitting guys yeah. with power. Um, and so if we if we were to take him at sixteen, which I don't think that, I think this is more we're considering him with our second round pick. Mm-hmm. But if we were to take him at sixteen, I would be very upset, right. and I would or I would be. Uh, at Thomas Dimitrov's house with pitchforks and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you know, I think the you know the linebacker, uh, for what I understand, uh, you know the linebacker options, you're gonna be able to get probably in the second, third round some in some pretty good linebacker options if that's uh, what you're in need need of. I think there's a ton of outside linebackers. Yes. So pass rushing linebackers, mm-hmm. um, inside linebackers like your middle linebackers. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's very thin. It's like Queen, Kenneth Murray, and then it's like, yeah. uh, yeah, right. there's no one. Right. And, and Xavier McKinney, he's a safety from Alabama, <clears throat> he's more of a linebacker to me. 
he because he runs a four six. He ran like a four six five forty, mm-hmm. um, which is too slow to play deep safety. So you can't put him deep. You can't ask him to just cover to run, to play a deep third. And so, and he and he's really great as a tackler and in the box. He's versatile. I think you could possibly move him to a linebacker. Ask him to beef up, and he can play linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the linebacker class is the, the inside linebacker class is not that great. It's not deep, but the outside linebacker class is pretty deep. Like you right. got Zach Bond from Wisconsin, who's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of options there. Um, but I, I, Kenneth Murray, I like him. I, w- I would love to see him in Atlanta with our second-round pick. I just don't expect him to be there. He probably won't. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be there either. Because our, our second-round pick is kind of late. Yep, yep. Um, it's like so. middle or late of the round, so it's, we're not, we don't have an early second-round pick. Right, right. And I was thinking today, I, the Hearst trade is I, – I, I still can't get over the Hearst trade. <laughs> you still don't I, like it. Because huh? I was doing a mock draft today, and I'm like, I'm looking at all these options. Because on, on the draftnetwork.com, you can do mock mm-hmm. drafts where it'll simulate all the other teams' picks. I mean, you can pick for your for your one team to choose. And so we have so many options with our pick. Like, we can go, like, Ashton Davis from California. It was a safety. He's a really good. He was, like, a first-round talent. He's really good. We can go with, like, Antoine Winfield Jr., safety from Minnesota. is good. We can go with, like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back from LSU, who I think is amazing. You you have like Trevon Diggs who if he falls that low, um, which he might because he doesn't have the speed to be a press man corner at the next level in my opinion, um, or you can go like Damon Arnett, the guy a corner from Ohio State. You have so many options, mm-hmm. and so if we had two second round picks, we could get two day one starters who could play at a high level as rookies, right? And so we traded one of those for a third string tight end in Baltimore who. Could be good right. in Atlanta, but like he's not a top ten tight end. He's nowhere near as good as Hooper, and I just the trade just sucks, and I I still <laughs> hate it, and it's gonna it's gonna kill me. <laughs> well, hopefully, Mister Hurst will uh, uh, blossom in those new uniforms, and uh, and he will uh, change your mind by the end of this coming season. I doubt he will, <laughs> but because I'm still going to hate it, even if he plays great. Like, it's still not a good trade. But, yeah, I mean, I can't wait for the draft. It's like 10 days from now, or 11. Yep. It's 11 days from now. I can't wait because there, there's so much talent. Mm-hmm. And so the first two rounds are going to be must-watch. Because yep, there's so many guys that can be – Day one starters and productive day one starters. There's going to be so much fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of trades like with Tua. I don't know where mm-hmm. he's going to go. Mm-hmm. He's going to go top ten, but you don't know where. Like, is, of, is he of... going to go two? Or the Redskins going to take him? Or like the Chargers going to trade up for the third pick? A lot of talk this past week about. It sounds like there's a lot of poo poo and Tua's uh, uh, medical history and his injury history. Uh, sometimes that's uh, out of that's done on purpose to try to right. you know push him down. Yeah. So I think so, maybe the Dolphins might have done that. The yeah, Dolphins so, might have said something about his absolutely just to, just to to hopefully he'll drop yeah. into their into their lap so that your yeah, teams will do that. They'll they'll get you know they'll they'll have word come out. They'll start sending these reports out on purpose to to try to drive you know drive a guy's stock down so they'll have an opportunity for him. So anyway. I am of the opinion that you should not draft to a top ten. I think his I think his injuries are a real issue, and it, with his play style, he's he's a, he's super aggressive, wants to make plays with mm-hmm. his legs, but he's pretty small, like he's six yeah. feet tall. He's not big, right? And he kind of plays small. He's not super athletic. Like I think Joe Burrow is more, more athletic. Mm-hmm. Joe oh, Burrow yeah. is pretty mobile. He's pretty nimble. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, how many times? Like against Georgia, against Georgia, he just uh, killed yeah. them. I was like, who yeah. is this dude? They, they have him hemmed up over on the sideline, and he he somehow you know eludes uh, a sack up in the pocket, gets over the sideline, and hits some guy forty yards down the field. He did that a handful of times this year yeah. to different teams. He's he he is he's very athletic. I, I, that not only was he a good football player, but I think he was an all state basketball player. Right. Oh, yeah. He dropped eighty points in a game. He's fantastic in high athlete. He's so Burrow is uh yeah, he's an all around good athlete. Yeah, Tua uh, you know, if you look at the list of injuries um, uh, that he had at Alabama in only three seasons, uh, it it is a uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, uh, and you know it's kind of hard to to believe that that is just going to stop. 
right. uh, going to the NFL when you got bigger, stronger, faster guys uh, laying the wood on you. Um, I don't know. That, that is something you got to consider. And what concern? I, w- I don't think I would be as concerned about it if he didn't have the place to if he didn't play like he did because he kind of plays like a Russell Wilson mm-hmm. when he's more like Drew Brees, right? And so yeah, he, he just, he, he's not as athletic as as he thinks he is. Right. I think I think he believes that he's more athletic than he actually is, right? Right. And that gets him in trouble. I I wouldn't draft him top ten. I think the inj- injuries are a huge issue. I think. Just based on talent, mm. I would draft him top five. Right. Like, just ba- based purely on talent, yeah, the Dolphins should take him at five. But yeah. I think, like, if they have, if the Giants pass on Jedrick Wills, mm-hmm. you got to consider taking Wills at five over Tua. Mm-hmm. You really do. Yeah. And you got to, and it, it's it's scary to pass up on a franchise quarterback at five and waiting until, like, 18. But with, in, with Tua's injuries, I think you got to do it. Yeah. I, I w- you got you to gotta consider it. Right, right. And so he'll go top five. Like he's gonna go top mm-hmm. five, no matter what, or or six. Like yeah. if he falls to the charges, they're probably gonna take. Him. Well, so it'll be really, really interesting to see where he lands. The one interesting uh, quarterback prospect out there is Jordan Love. Who do you, who do you, who do you see in him to compare him to? That's already in the NFL. His style, because he's he's kind of moving up the charts a little bit. He's got plays that I will admit are Mahomes-esque. I hate people comparing him to Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Mahomes is the most talented quarterback we've ever seen play the game. And so, like, comparing Jordan Love to him is Mm kind of ridiculous. There are plays that he makes where he's out of the pocket making throws on the run that are reminiscent of Mahomes coming Mm -hmm. out of college. Right. And so I get that. His decision making's a little, or it's a little rough, mm-hmm. and so that's why he's not going to be a top ten pick, uh, or most likely. Um, I, I, he's like a a worse, maybe a less accurate Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'd say a, a a a very very poor man's Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that's that's a comparison. Right. He, I think he's better than Herbert, and I think he's worth taking top fifteen. I yeah. loved. Jordan Love, yeah. and you got to get him some coaching. Just let him sit for two years, sure. but like in a, in the right system, he could be awesome. So like you know, because uh, <clears throat> you see him like work, playing for John Gruden. Yeah, like and, and uh, you know Gruden's always done great work with quarterbacks. And, right. Uh, so something like you know that. Not not saying that the Raiders would take him, but. I don't. I still don't know if they're sold completely yeah. on Derek Carr. Right. But yeah, that would be a good situation where they could take him and and groom him for the next year or two to step in. And uh, it, interesting, I, yeah. you know, if you've got a quarterback that's got the physical ability that he does, and if it's a it's a case of decision making, you can improve the decision right, making. Right. Right. With the right with the right system and the right coaching. Well, 2018 was a great year for him. He had 32 touchdowns, six picks. This year he had 20 touchdowns, 17 picks. And a lot of people are looking at that like, whoa. And, and yeah, you should. You should be concerned. His teammates were terrible. He mm-hmm. lost a lot of weapons. He had a new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the reason his picks were so high was that he was just trying to make plays, trying to win. And he was trying to compensate for the va- mm-hmm. for the lack of skill that his teammates had. Because his teammates weren't that great last year. They were just inexperienced and were put in this new role they weren't accustomed to. Um, I, I like Love. At his best, he's a top-two quarterback in this class. Um, I think at his best, he's better than Tua. Um, but and, and what's interesting about him is he can go anywhere from, like, 6 to, like, 23. Yeah. Like, I think the lowest we'll see him go is, like, New England. Right. But I think one team that would be really interesting and that no one's talking about is the 49ers. Because the 49ers, oh, I've mentioned to you that they, if they cut uh, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> in this year or next year, it's there's zero cap hit. They take no cap hit from that. Right. And so if they take Tua at 13, and not, not Tua, love, Jordan Love. Love. If they Jordan take Jordan Love, Love yes. at 13, mm-hmm. if there's any coach who can get Jordan Love, who can get him to reach his potential, it's, it's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. So I trust him. So I think that would be a great pick. And um and so you would basically have traded uh DeForest Buckner for your for a guy that has like 
this potential where you got a guy that's like has the potential like like a Patrick Mahomes esque. Mm-hmm. He's Patrick Mahomes esque. Correct. He's got that physical ability. Right. And so if you can just get him to reach the potential, and there's no telling how good Jordan Love can be because he's very talented. Well, and you know, as we saw in the Super Bowl, uh, apparently Shanahan didn't have the uh, utmost confidence in Garoppolo. Uh, you know, so well, Garoppolo was had he was so good in the first three quarters. Fourth yeah. quarter, he just just Correct. fell apart, and Correct. he he had some easy throws down the stretch, right? Where he just missed, and the guys were wide open, yeah. and so I I think that's why um Kyle Shanahan would even consider a quarterback there mm-hmm. at thirteen because Garoppolo he, he's gonna have that image in his mind of Garoppolo missing Sanders deep Correct. on the last drive and missing Sanders on a slant. Um, in the middle of the fourth quarter when they're trying to run clock. And a lot of people were criticizing Shanahan for not running the ball enough. I think he did. He had some play, really good play calls where they passed the ball, and they had it, and Garoppolo just missed a wide open receiver. Didn't, and didn't so, yeah, so the play. execution just wasn't there. Right. Um, and so I, I think love the 40 to San Fran would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited. I'm just interested to see where Love goes. Because if yeah. he goes to the 49ers or um, the Raiders, I think those are really good fits because mm-hmm. they got offensive gurus there. Correct. In yep. their cities. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. Okay, so the Dolphins have been um, trying to trade for the first pick. So, would you give up all three first rounders they have for Joe Burrow? So, that that's pick number five, that's 18, and that's 26. Mm. Well, that's a tough one. I mean, they definitely got to have a quarterback. Uh, I don't know if that's even enough. They will probably have to... Yeah, they'd probably have to put. Uh, they'd have to offer a second round pick as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like three, the three first rounders this year, you offer that. Right, right. You got to keep in mind that next year you have double ones and you have double twos next year. You also have, I believe, you have double twos this year. So you have four second round picks and two first round picks this year and next year combined. Mm-hmm. If you trade the three first rounders this year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah, I, I would do it. I I like Joe Burrow a lot. I yeah. love Joe Burrow. I'm a I'm a believer in him. I think if I would do that, I would 100 percent do that. I it's a risk because mm-hmm. you you're not going to get offensive tackle, and their offensive line is terrible. Like they gave right. up like 54 sacks last year, yeah, which is awful. Right, but you get your franchise guy who I think is a can't miss prospect. Right. So I, I think you got to go for it. I it, think you got to you got to do it. it. It's it's a better opportunity for Burrow, I think. I mean, I think Miami is uh, setting themselves up to to kind of be a player uh, in the next year or two with with the accumulation of picks right. that they've had. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, um, you know, you got. I mean, if you, for you to give up three number one picks uh, for a player, um, you've. He's got to be your, he's got to be the guy, and you got to hit on that one, no doubt about it. So, I don't think there's any doubt in the in the uh, that that Burrow is going to be successful in the NFL. Um, but that's a <laughs> whew, that's a that's a that's it a tempting. Is a haul. That, that's it is a haul. haul. That is a haul. If I'm Cincinnati, I jump at it. They need picks, you know, and they and they'd still be able to get them a quarterback, uh, you know, they can get get to or who you know whoever they want, Herbert or yeah. Love or whoever uh, with that right. with that you know first pick uh, you know that they would get from Miami. So if I'm Cincinnati, I'd jump all over that. Absolutely, yeah. I'd do I'd do it. So I don't know. I don't know if I would do it just because I think Jordan Love is the best quarterback, even if Tua is healthy. I think mm-hmm. well, I think Burrow's better than Tua. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they made a lot of moves on defense in the offseason. Their defense is a lot better than it was. Um, and they got a good offense. They got Joe Mixon, who's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to fix up that offensive line. Mm-hmm. They have AJ Green. They franchise tagged him. They have, um, I'm forgetting his name. It's the other receiver. He he cooked Desmond Trufant like two years ago. <laughs> Can you be more specific? Uh, Tyler Boyd. That's his name. Tyler yeah, Boyd. Okay. They have Tyler Boyd. They have John Ross, who's good when healthy. So they got a lot of pieces. I think they're a lot better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I. I I don't know if I would take the three picks just because I think Joe Burrow is that good. Yeah, right. So I don't know. I would consider it because you can still get a quarterback at five. Mm-hmm. You can get 
you can get offensive linemen and or you can get like edge rushers at 18. You can get corner. You can do a whole lot. Of, you can mm-hmm. do a lot with the 18th and the 26th pick. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah Miami's, Miami's sitting in a good spot with those picks. They're sitting in a good spot. If they they, they hit on their picks, that boy, they could really, uh, really improve their squad. And like you said, they've got those coming next year too. So right. You know they they're they're really in a good in a good spot. So it's it's crazy because they. I've seen so many mock drafts have like Patrick Queen going 18, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that'd be a steal. Mm-hmm. Queen's sure. awesome. I right. think Queen is. I don't. I'm higher on Queen than most people. I think Queen is a beast. I mm-hmm. really do. And then they can go like they can get a guy like Yeter Gr- Matos, who is really underrated. He's a good pass rusher. He's got such long arms. Mm-hmm. There's a lot they can do. Um, if they don't trade up, um. They're going to get three really, really good players. Right. Like I said earlier, it's a deep, talented draft. Right. There you go. So, yeah. I totally forgot to mention that my dad is doing an interview with his brother in this podcast as well. His brother was a golfer at Troy. He was an All-American in college. So, they're going to do an interview. Colin's going to talk about his uh, golf, the Masters, stuff like that. Uh, So, that interview is coming up next. I hope you all enjoy all right, good good day, everybody, uh, to the Wire Podcast uh, Easter edition. Uh, I've got a host, I mean, a guest with me today who is my older brother, Colin McCreary, who lives in Troy, Alabama. Uh, Colin, good to have you here today. Glad to be here. Happy Easter. Uh, happy Easter to you. Uh, uh, we're, we're missing out today on, uh, with, due to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, uh, the fourth uh, and final round of the Masters, uh, which is uh, traditionally this time of the year every year, uh, has been rescheduled for November this year, which will be kind of strange. Uh, my brother Colin here is uh, he uh, a former All-American uh, golfer at uh, Troy State University and now Troy University. It was Troy State when we went. Uh, so I thought it would be a good time today to talk a little bit of golf, talk a little bit of Masters, and uh, and I want Colin to give some input on his uh, uh, long-time uh, knowledge of the Masters, his times in Augusta that he's been over there, and uh, a little bit of thought on a, a famous final round that we've uh, both come to remember a lot of details. So, Colin, I want to start out uh, by – uh, asking you to uh, uh, join in and kind of give us some uh, uh, memories that you have of your visits over to Augusta for practice rounds, uh, weekend rounds, uh, some of your top memories that you have. Well, I've got a lot of memories from probably I, – I tried to figure out a couple of years ago how many times I'd been over there to practice rounds and tournament rounds. I've probably been over there. I'm 50, about to turn 59 years old. I've probably been to – somewhere between 22 and 25 rounds over the Masters for, for, you know, as far as practice rounds or competitive rounds. And, you know, Dad Dad took me the first time when I was probably 10 to 11 years old, which would have been right around, you know, 72 or so. And he kept telling me all the way up to Augusta about this guy named Arnold Palmer. And, uh, (laughs) You know, we, we got there. I remember getting there. I remember standing in the gate to show them our passes. And I think we bought the passes there, actually. And we found out Arnold Palmer was somewhere around the seventh hole. So we get there. We're running. We're not running. We're, we're jogging down number nine and, and uh, number and we find out he's hitting his tee shot on eight. So when we get to him in eight fairway on the par five, dad gets me right up there close to him behind the ropes. And he's got a three wood out. Palmer's got a three wood out second shot into this par five. And, you know, I'm, I've heard all, all the way to Augusta from dad, how great this guy is. And Arnold proceeds on a little uphill lie to hit a cold top about 80 yards up the fairway. And I'm just like, dad, uh, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> that was my first memory of uh of augusta but so many good memories so many crazy things have happened in practice rounds when me and uh, jay devon from montezuma went one time when we were seniors in high school we went by ourselves to a practice round and followed ray floyd and then 
I can remember one time in college when Greg Norman became the big thing. Uh, I was on the par three course and Greg Norman and Tom Kite were paired together, I think in the par three tournament. And when Norman came down to the second or third hole, the crowd surge pushed a bunch of us into the water behind the green. And I, I helped about an 85 year old lady wearing a nice mink collared coat. She was up to her knees in the water and I made sure she didn't drown. You know, I remember riding home all the way back to Troy with wet shoes, socks, and, and pants because of the crowd surge. But uh, right. so many memories from Augusta and too, too many to count. For people that have never been to uh, Augusta National, uh, golf fans and non-golf fans alike, it's, it's one of the top cathedrals in all of sports, uh, you know, a natural cathedral. Uh, not a weed on the place. They take all uh, steps to uh, maximize the look. Uh, TV doesn't do it justice, as the boys have said. Uh, it is going to be interesting real quick the, in November. <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, the folks at Augusta are going to come up with some kind of hybrid uh, azalea that will bloom in November. You, what do you think? Would not surprise me. <laughs> It'll be perfect. It's, if, if if anybody can do it, they would do it or come up with it. So they take all all steps to to maximize the look. Right. So, yeah. Um, this week, uh, ESPN and and CBS are, are, are replaying uh, uh, rounds, final rounds, and uh, we've seen uh, several of of the greatest finishes. I mean, there's been some great finishes that I remember. Uh, you know, Larry Myers chipping in. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to beat uh, Norman, as you had mentioned, uh, in sudden death. Uh, I think I was a senior in high school that year uh, when that happened. Uh, unfortunate collapse of Greg Norman when Mick, Nick Faldo won that year. Uh, Tigers' uh, first Masters win, what, we was, was 21? When he 21 years old? Seven, correct. Yes. Yeah, it was dominant. Uh, Tigers win. Huh? Won by 12. Exactly. Uh, Tigers win last year when everybody thought he was uh, through. Uh, but I, I think, uh, to me, uh, the one that I'll never forget uh, is like it was yesterday. Uh, and probably your favorite as well was Jack Nicholas's uh, famous uh, back nine in 1986. Uh, tell me a little bit of what you remember about that. Well, I just remember watching it uh, that Sunday afternoon and uh, kind of remember when he birdied I believe eight and nine thinking wow he's 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 looking for a top 10 here and uh he he got the momentum going and and you know I had forgotten a couple of things until I watched the replay again for I don't know how many times I've watched it but Wednesday when they showed the live telecast this week of the 86 Masters I had forgotten that walking down 14 or up 14 fairway he was still four shots behind and Seve had the lead and that that amazed me this past Wednesday to remember that he was four shots behind with five holes to finish. And the the other thing that I had forgotten was that when he started birdieing, well, he had made quite a few birdies, but when he birdied Eagle 15 and birdied 16, the crowd noise almost stifled Tom Watson, Tommy Nakajima, uh, Seve Ballesteros, uh, all the other players had to wait their turn to hit. And even if they were a couple of holes away, they had to find out if Jack was about to putt or hit a shot because right. it would be like a bomb going off in their backswing. And, and his back nine performance stifled the other players and took over. And just a performance, you know, Tiger Tiger's win last year was phenomenal and a phenomenal mm-hmm. comeback. But he had he had some pretty good help. Jack Jack had a little bit of help as well from a couple of players. But Jack was four back with five to go and took it by the throat and took it down at age forty six after being really written off for the last five or six years and sort of right. not really a ceremonial player, but almost a ceremonial player at age forty six and to win it it was amazing. Can't take enough can't take anything away from Tigers win last year. They're they're sort of comparable, but Jack's was amazing. It was. I, I remember. Uh, uh, I remember watching that at home. I was a junior in high school, and and I, I literally had tears in my eyes. Jack Jack Nicholas has uh, been one of my all time favorite uh, uh, 
sports athletes. Uh, he's he's on my Mount Rushmore, and I've got a uh, an autograph uh, in in my safe deposit box that you got for me from Jack Nicholas. It's one of my one of my prized possessions. I he's just to me uh, the ultimate, and uh, that was a that was a treat for me uh, to watch that. And speaking of Jack, uh, I want you to share. You you have a couple of memories uh, of, of Jack, uh, when you were playing at Troy, uh, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Well, uh, we used to play at a really large college tournament at, in Montgomery at Rolling Hills, the U S steel intercollegiate. And a lot, a lot of all the ACC and SEC teams were there along with division two teams like Troy and Columbus state and Florida Southern. And it was about 24 teams. And, Jack's son, Jackie, played for North Carolina. Uh, he and was he, wasn't he on the bag for Jack uh, uh, in that final round, Jackie? He, he was. was. Caddy. Yes, go and, ahead. Uh, actually, Jack, Jackie was paired in the group in front of me, and Big Jack flew in the week before the Masters to follow Jackie for three rounds in that tournament. So he kind of hung out with all of us college players for a few days in Montgomery. And one time that day on the second hole, Jack Jack was very interested in a a, a guy playing in our group. Uh, and you know, that was with North Carolina as well. So he would watch Jack and then would turn around and watch us hit approach shots on the hole before. And I almost beamed him on the second hole with a four iron out of the right fairway bunker. And uh, <laughs> walking up the green, he had to duck to not get hit in the head. Jack did. And I'm thinking I, made, I would have made headlines all over the world if I beamed him the week before the Masters. Yeah. But uh, a few holes later, uh, I had a great sandwich shot over a bunker and was able to stop it. And when I was walking around the bunker with my putter, I had a downhill eight-footer after a great shot, uh, really tough to stop shot. And when I was walking, he looked dead me in the eye and said, great shot, son. That was that was an incredible shot you just hit, good touch. And it shook me up so bad I three-putted. <laughs> From eight feet. <laughs> and, you know, later when we got through, we went to the practice range, and I was hitting my McGregor automatic three-wood, and, and he, he was watching Jackie get balls right by me, and he came over and says, you know, in, in his high-pitched voice, he says, you mind if I look at that three-wood? And I, what was I going to say? No. I handed it to him, and he goes, that is the exact same model I played for about 11 to 12 years. A flying MT, that's an awesome club. Do you mind if I hit a few balls with it? And he was wearing, I'll never forget it, he was wearing tree-torn tennis shoes and shorts and a golf shirt, and he took my three-wood over there, and he hit four of the most beautiful, solid baby fades with it you've ever seen. And I'm sitting here looking at my closet on this podcast, and that three-wood's over in that closet, and I'll, I'll keep it as long as I live because Big Jack hit it. How about I, that? I was able to get that autograph for you. Right. He, it was a great day with Jack Nicholas in college golf. Absolutely. Well, Jack Jack was a great guy, and that was uh, that was evidence of it right there. Uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, did you hit that? Did you hit that wood again after that? I played it for years, but I. But <laughs> <laughs> you were tempted probably not to use it again and frame it, right? <laughs> I still love that club. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, one final thing, uh, you were mentioning this to me before uh, we started this, uh, that, that it's kind of eerie. Uh, uh, tell me about this time a year ago, speaking of back to the Masters, uh, how, how you watched the Masters last year with the weather forecast. The bizarre thing was last year with Tiger in contention, a tornado hit Troy and did a lot of damage and knocked out power. And here I am, I think he had about 10 holes to go. and no masters and I'm not good enough as you just learned the last 30 minutes. I'm not very good with technology. So I couldn't figure out how to stream it. So I went to my office building and realized we had power. So I watched it there and a few friends came over as well when they learned I was watching it and we watched it there. And here, ironically, a year later, the networks are playing the replay this afternoon and we, our weatherman last night, in the central Alabama area said there's a hundred percent chance of tornadoes today. So here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. Well, 
hopefully, uh, good Lord willing, we'll, uh, we won't have the same results as we did last year. So anyway, but, uh, anyway, well, listen, I, we're going to, we're going to end it with that. And, uh, I, I sure appreciate you, uh, sharing some memories, uh, of Augusta. Uh, we, we sure do miss it today. I miss that pimento cheese and egg salad and watching the, watching the final round. And, uh, Hopefully we will get to see them in Augusta this November, which will be kind of strange. But uh, uh, it is a it is an annual event that uh, that's hard to that's hard to top. And I, I appreciate you sharing your memories of it with me. And and uh, you guys just stay safe over there today. And uh, and happy Easter. We will. I think the most bizarre thing that's been a little talked about is that if we have the Masters in November and have it again in April, we're going to have two of them there within about five to six months. And what if Tiger gets on a roll and knocks two more notches in the belt with majors and within a period of just a couple of months there, a few months, that could be interesting. Right. It could be interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks will be tuning in for sure. Absolutely. So anyway, all right, man. Well, I love you and uh, I appreciate you joining in today and uh, sharing your knowledge and uh, you guys stay safe. Okay. You too, brother. Happy Easter. Thanks. All right. Same to you. Talk to you later. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Wire Podcast. If you want to see more content from us here at The Wire, check out our website at thewiresports.com. We have this podcast there, articles, uh, videos. We have a YouTube channel. It's called The Wire, so go check that out. Uh, And that's pretty much it for today. I'll see y'all.